is that we, the church, have work to do. It's not so much that we're not going to make it, because if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and he is the Lord of your life, you're going to make it. There's no fear in that. But the number one thing is, have you really made him Lord? Have you really been born again? That's the number one thing that we need to focus on. And the, num the number two thing is, of course, that there's work to do because there is a plentiful harvest and God needs us to do what he's called us to do. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, we thank you for that testimony. That man is now in your presence. He, he has died. He has known you. But God, you had grace upon his soul because as he said, if he would have died that day, he, would have been, he could have been thrown into hell and he would have agreed with it because he was trying to get there by his works alone. But you let them know, it's not those who call me Lord who enter, it's those who have made me Lord. I am their Lord. I know them. So Father, I thank you for the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Lord, that you have equipped us as your church to give this message to the world. And may we not be satisfied with sitting on this information while untold and countless souls, God, never reach your kingdom. And Lord, help us to hear these words that you give me to say, and let me speak only as long as you give me to, to speak. Holy Spirit, be with me now. I am weak and you are strong. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's talk about the few. Matthew 7, 13, 14 says this, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. First of all, you need to know how blessed you are to be hearing this message right now. You need to know how blessed you are to be on this side of heaven, on this side of eternity, to hear a message like this and say, you know what? This message is about the grace of God. This message is not to bring fear into your heart, but the Bible says that we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, right? We need to understand that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do, and truly only a few find life. I posted this message on Facebook, and a friend of mine that I went to school with named Bruce, he sent me a private message, and here's what Bruce said. He said, all right, my man. I watched that video you sent on Howard Pittman. I have a lot of questions, but help me with something. He says only 2.5% of souls make it to heaven, yet we are to believe we have a forgiving God. How do you translate that? Curious your thoughts. Thank you for sharing. Great story. And here's how I responded to him. I said, hey, Bruce, it's not that God isn't forgiving. There's just a serious lack of truth out there about his forgiveness. Who knows if that percentage is accurate or not? But God says it's not his will. Anyone perishes. The Bible is quickly becoming a book few people follow. Everyone just does what is right in their own eyes. So without enough people out here telling the truth, there are so many that live outside of the grasp of his forgiveness. He forgives all who ask, but so many don't know how to ask. And then Bruce said, great feedback. Thank you. Church, I'm here to tell you about the last day. Matthew 7, 22, 23 says this, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. 
Get away from me, you who break God's laws. So I've been at the sheriff's office for about 20 years, and there's some new deputies there, and they wear the same uniform I do. And they, say they have the same powers, arresting powers, and the power to uh, withhold the law that I do. But if I were to see them today, I could truly tell them, I don't know you. And they would be like, well, wait a minute, we work for the same company. And I can arrest people just like you can. And look, we've got the same clothes on. Uh, I, I've, I've done some of the same things that you have done. And I could say to them, I'm sorry, but I don't know you. And that's the last thing any believer, any, per, any person who uh, enters an eternity wants to hear in front of a holy God is, I don't know you. Now, everybody can say we know about him. But it's not about those that know about him. It's about us that has a personal relationship with God and we have truly been born again. And you know if you've been born again or not. You know that the spirit of God lives inside of you and, and, and it, it has made a dynamic transformation in your life. Because otherwise, it's based on good works, right? Because if you stand in front of God today, what would you say? If you plan to say, oh, God, I was a good person, and I, I gave to the poor, and I went to church, I, 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 that leads him to the statement of, I never knew you. But if you can stand before him and say, Lord, I was a sinner undone, and you saved me, and it is by faith that I put uh, myself, Father God, at your mercy, and I thank you that you saved me and you made me new then those are the ones that he knows and those are the ones in who will have everlasting life in him. So church, the harvest is plentiful out there and we've got work to do. Coming to church isn't the work. Coming to church is to be equipped for the work. We've got neighbors, we've got co-workers. The vast majority of people will not go to heaven, but still there is a harvest. Still there are some that desire to go to heaven, but they must first hear the truth. We have work to do. Matthew chapter 9 verses 35 through 38 says this, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. So who are the workers? The workers are God's ministers of reconciliation. That's us. The workers are the family of God, the sons of God. That's us. The workers are the kings and the priests from God, and that is us as well. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 says this, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. So to truly be born again, there should be a line in your life somewhere. There should be a point where you say, at this moment is where I gave my life to Jesus Christ and I died to my old self and now I am new in him. It is not me that is righteous. It is him that is righteous in me. You need to hear that. It's not you that are righteous. It's him that is righteous in you. He has given you of his righteousness. That's how you know if you've been born again or not. 
The old life is gone, the new life has begun. Verse 18, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task. Church, say this with me. God has given us this task. Let's pause right there. So if you've been born again, and if you're in the family of God, and if there's a great harvest out there of souls who will die and go to hell if they don't hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus already did his part in a body. Now we are the body of Christ, and we have been equipped to go out there and tell them the good news. The reason why the numbers are so low is not because God isn't good, it's because we're not being faithful. It's because we're not really telling many, many people about God. Anyone guilty? I think every hand can go up in here that we've got work to do, right? Because we are ministers of reconciliation. What does that mean? We've been reconciled back to God. Someone told us about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Faith grew inside of us, and we said, you know what? We desire to be saved, And we've been reconciled back to God because Jesus died on the cross on Calvary for us. But here's what the Bible is telling us right here. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Did you hear that? He didn't say that he he already came. He's not sending angels to do it. He's not sending Elijah back to do it. He is saying that he has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Church, say this with me, come back to God. That's the message that we're supposed to be taking to the world. You don't have to have a long sermon. You might say, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not very good with words. All of you just said it beautifully, and I understood it. You said, come back to God. How many of you know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? Raise your hand. That's the good news. That's all you got to tell people. Just allow the Holy Spirit to overcome you and allow that good news of the gospel to reach the world. But if the church sits quiet, then the harvest field stays unkept, and there's many souls that will be lost, but we've got work to do. See, I'm so sorry that the American church and the Western church has set it up to make you think that the pastor is supposed to do all the work. No, the job of the pastor is to equip you to go out there and do the work and tell people, come back to God. Jesus died for your sins. Why are, we so, why are we more scared to be embarrassed or rejected for giving someone that message than to see that soul go to hell? That's something we've got to ask ourselves. Why are we more nervous and afraid to be rejected of giving the good news than to see a soul forever be lost? Verse 20. So we are Christ's ambassadors, again, making this appeal. When we speak for Christ, we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. The only way people get right with God is through Christ. And that's what you need to tell people. Tell your children, tell your family members. Guess what? Thanksgiving's coming up and you got a chance to preach the gospel at your Thanksgiving meal. And I'll tell you how to do it. 
This is all you got to say. I am so thankful that God saved my soul. I am so thankful that Jesus died for my sins. And when life is all over, I'll get to spend eternity with him. That's what I'm most thankful for. I'm thankful for that macaroni and cheese too. But the, the, the main thing I'm thankful for is that Jesus died for my sins. How easy of a message is that? We're so afraid to offend people and all that stuff. Forget that. Every single one of you can preach that message this Thanksgiving. I'm just thankful that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I guarantee you there might be someone there that the Holy Spirit will move upon and they'll come after. They might be in the line with you getting cranberry sauce and they might say to you, well, what were you saying about Jesus forgiving you of your sins? And then that just opens the door wide open. You say, oh, God's been just so good to me. We've got a message in our mouths for the world to hear. They're hearing so many other things that are bringing them depression and, and anxiety. But the Bible says that we've been armed with good news. And it's, it says this, it's a wonderful message of reconciliation. So you are at church to be equipped. Uh, you, the, the, the body of Christ is supposed to be equipped. And let me tell you what that means. Ephesians 4, 10 through 12. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people. Say this with me, church. We are God's people. Come on. You are God's people. So listen to what it says. Equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So each and every one of you that call yourselves saved and children of God, you've got a work to do, right? It's not about just having fire insurance. Being saved is not just having your ticket to heaven so that you don't have to go to hell. Being saved means that God has set you apart to use you on earth so that many might enter his kingdom through your, through your testimony. And we got to look at our numbers. Come on. If, it, if only, and I'm not saying, see, the only thing that I receive from that brother is the things that the Holy Spirit uh, testified to and things that are Bible. So that, that number he gave of two point whatever percent, I don't know if that's true or not, but I know only a few make it, right? So we know it's only a few. And so we can even do a test in here right now, right? And don't raise your hands. Don't say anything right now. But how many people have you led to Jesus? And if each of you can say a few, then that translates to the few that make it, right? If you can say, I've never led anyone to Christ or just a few people, then that translates to that number that only a few are going to make it. But don't let that discourage you. You still tell the truth. Use, use your social media. Use, use whatever medium you have to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it comes down to this. Is Jesus your Lord? Because Brother Pittman said, I called you Lord I, every day of my life. He said, listen, calling me Lord just gives me a title. You've got to make me Lord. Let's see if we've got some Bible for that. Let's go to Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. And it says this. This is Jesus talking. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say, pause, period. 
Let's let that truth marinate in our hearts right now. If Jesus Christ is Lord, that means we do what he says. Come on, we got to park right here for a minute. We got to park right here for a minute. On a daily basis, how much are we obeying the Lord? How much are we communicating with the Lord and saying, Lord, what is your will for me to do today? Or on the other side is most of our activity, us just doing whatever we want to do all day long. If he's Lord, then we're supposed to be obeying his commandments, okay? Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Church, say this with me. Lord, what are you saying? Come on, that's something we need to be saying every day. Add that to your prayer life. Because if he's Lord, you're doing what he's saying. So you need to be saying, Lord, what are you saying? Lord, I'm your servant. What, what, what needs to be done? All right? Verse 47. I will show you when it's, what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays a foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it was well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds house, a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the flood sweeps down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Church, my question for you today is this. How can we love him if we don't study and know his commandments? They are our orders. So on a daily basis, we need to really be understanding what the Lord requires of us if he is our Lord. So we don't live under the law anymore. We live under grace. But since we live under grace now, we have to live under the grace of Jesus Christ. So whatever Jesus, the grace giver, says to us, that's what we do. We need to obey the grace giver. And he says this, if you love me, then obey my commandments. Do we know his commandments? Come on, church. You need to know his commandments. What did Jesus say? That's what we're supposed to be doing. Those are our marching orders. If he's Lord, then we know what he says, and we're also doing it because we love him. So recently, I've been hopping on YouTube and typing in the commandments of Jesus and just listening. Come on, church. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How can we say we love Jesus if we're not obeying his commandments? And how can we obey his commandments if we don't know him? I think it's because we thought it was going to be easy. But it's not going to be easy to make it to the kingdom of God. It's not easy. It's very hard to make it to the kingdom of God. You've got to be willing to, he said, if any man desires to come after me, he must pick up his cross daily, deny himself, and follow me. But many of us, or the vast majority of the earth, is doing what is right in their own eyes. Don't let that be us. It's a tight walk. The way to, the way to the kingdom of heaven is a very narrow road, and that road is the word of God. Remember David said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I am urging you, church, to study the words of Jesus Christ. What did he say? What are the red letters in your Bible saying, right? At some point, sit down and begin to study what your Lord is saying, because he does speak to us even by his Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17 say this. 
If you love me, obey my commandments. Church, repeat after me. If you love me, obey my commandments. Again, if you love me, obey my commandments. Again, if you love me, obey my commandments. So just for a moment, pretend that's you standing before God and you're really not ready to meet him. But by the grace of God, he sends a preacher in front of you this morning that says this, if you love me, obey my commandments. We don't know how blessed we are right now to have air in our lungs right now to still be alive because some of us in this room are not ready to meet God. We're not ready to meet him, but the mercy of God allows messages to come into your ears like this. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So here's what you need to know, church, that we are the harvest workers. So just for a moment, I want you to see outside of the church. Instead of facing me, pretend you're facing out there. They're they're going up and down I-75 right now. They're at restaurants right now. They're shopping. Some of them are at home. Untold millions of souls right now are out there, and they're waiting on us to bring them the good news And know this, that God has not given any of you the spirit of fear. So don't you ever, 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 ever let fear come upon you and say, well, I don't know what to say, or I'm just so nervous, or I'm not good with... No, that's just a trick of the enemy. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So each of us have been empowered to share this gospel message. Why? Because we are sons. We are kings and we are priests. And the reason that we are sons and kings and priests is because we have the king of kings, the high priest, living inside of us. Here's what you need to know. Galatians 2.20 says this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So every single one of us has a tombstone. Every single one of us has a tombstone with Galatians 2 and 20 on it. Now, I know you're not dead in physical body right now, but your old self is dead. Your old sinful self is dead. And on top of that old sinful self, there is a tombstone of Galatians 2.20. Let me read your tombstone to you. When people come looking for that old sinful you, or when sin tries to rise up in you, or when temptation tries to take you over, here's what your tombstone says. Here's what the, the enemy reads when he comes after you. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What does this mean? It means that our lives do not belong to us anymore when he is Lord. Here's what we got to get through our heads this morning. 
If the majority of people do not make it to heaven, only a small percentage do, those small percentage are his. They belong to him. So you don't control. If you are really God's this morning, if you are really a born again believer, then you don't control your life anymore. Hear me, church. Hear me, leadership. Hear me, everyone here. If he is the Lord of your life, your rulership of your life is over. You don't get to decide anymore. You're a servant of a king. Can you imagine, can you imagine a kitchen staff worker at the White House telling the president that it's a scoot over, I need to sit here. Uh, you don't need to do that. You need to call Cuba and tell them this is what I said, right? The servant doesn't get to tell the master what to do. Question church, is the Lord the master of your life? Because if he's not, then he's not ours. If he's not, then when we stand before him, he will say, Depart from me, you what? Worker of iniquity, right? So if the Lord is our Lord, then we serve his righteous purposes. When he tells us to do something, we actually do it. We know his commandments and we obey him if he is Lord. Otherwise, there's these people who will stand before God one day and say these things as, Lord, didn't I do this in your name? And didn't I do that in your name? He said, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. What is a worker of iniquity? A sinner. One who did their own will. One who served themselves. So let's not fall prey to this, this, false, this false doctrine out there that you can skate by the skin of your teeth and, and, and still make it. Now, I know that God is a loving and forgiving God, but only to those who will obey his commandments. You got to hear that. That's who he saves. He saves those that call him Lord. I think the problem with the way the gospel has been presented to most of us is we get a savior, we just get someone that is able to wash away our sins and we get to go to heaven now. But it's a package deal. Jesus is not just Savior. He must be the Lord of your life as well. He is the ruler and the commander of your life. Your life is over. Your life is over. It's his now. What he did on the cross was purchase your salvation and purchase your life. Not so that you can say, God, forgive me of my sins and then go on doing everything you want to do. The danger, there's a great danger as well of being raised in church. Because if you were raised in church, then there's just this, there's just stuff. Let's just call it stuff. There's religion and there's tradition and there's stuff that people, it's just so dangerous because if, if, if the preacher's got it wrong, then everybody's got it wrong. And, and somebody, somebody has, they, they tease me sometimes because of how many verses I use every day, right? But if I'm not using the Bible, then you shouldn't be here. Do you understand that? Don't ever sit under someone that does not teach you directly from the Bible, you need the truth of God to make it, right? Your blood will not be on my hands. You've got to know the truth because the truth makes you what? Free. I need to know the truth. Let's stand to our feet this morning. We need to know the truth about where we are right now. Are, do we really belong? Do our lives really belong to the Lord? Have we given them to him? Listen, listen, it's not about coming down to this altar and saying a prayer, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you are Lord. It's not about just the confession, it's about your heart posture towards him. 
he can't be Lord if you're still living an active life of sin. Do you understand that? Now, all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. You're going to mess up sometime. But your life of sin is supposed to be over. Church, can you say over? He's not Lord if, the, if your life of sin is not over. Because the Bible says that we were buried or baptized into his death. And what's supposed to have happened is that this is a new creation in Christ. So what you're presenting to the world is like, if when you say you're a Christian, what you're saying is my old life is dead and gone. And I stand before you as a work of God, as a child of God, as a priest and as a king. And I know I didn't get to teach to, teach to you uh, about what that looks like as a king and priest, but stay tuned. We'll, we'll get to that next week. But, 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 but what he wants to be first, because before you can be a priest and before you can be a king, he's got to be Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. He was Lord then. He's Lord now. When he walked this earth, listen to me. We're so scared of everything but he's not giving us a spirit of fear. I want to remind you of what demons did when Jesus was here. They trembled. They screamed out at Jesus, please, it's not our time. That's the same spirit that lives in us. So why is the evil agendas of the world, why do they bother us? Why do we let demonic forces bother us when a greater one lives on the inside of us? He said, greater is he that lives in us than he that lives in the world. But we've got a decision to make. Is he Lord? Is he Lord? Because every master knows their servant. Every master knows their servant. There's two, there's two gods that we have to reckon with here in this world. There's the little G God of this world named Satan, and then there's the king of all heaven and the maker of eternity, and his name is Yahweh, right? So the devil has servants and Yahweh has servants. So when Jesus says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, what he's really saying is you servant of Satan, get away from me, I never knew you. But to those that he knows, he says this, well done, thou good and faithful, what? Servant. Church, we're supposed to be servants of the most high God. He has anointed us to be kings. He has anointed us to be priests. And I've just got to share this uh, last scripture with you, if I can. Uh, Revelation chapter one, verses four through six say this. This, is, this letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who was still to come from the sevenfold spirit before his throne and from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. 
Amen. When I used to read the Bible and when I heard that Jesus Christ was the King of Kings, I thought it was he was the King of King Charles and the King of King Arthur. And the, No, we're the kings. He has made us to be rulers on earth because he lives inside of us and he rose from the dead with all power and authority and he gave it back to us to rule and reign in this world as kings and priests of the kingdom. How do we know this? Because he said, listen, the kingdom of God is with you. It's not something that you can point to and say it's here or it's over there. The kingdom of God is within you. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So wherever you go out there and you don't see the kingdom of God, just know that you're a king. You represent a king and a priest, that you are able to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're able to open the eyes of the blind, not the physical blind, the spiritual blind, but the physical too, if God so pleases. Bow your heads with me today. Father, I've given them your word. May this give them a hunger to make you Lord like never before. This is our only opportunity and chance to stand before you spotless, God. You're not just the savior of the world. You're the king of kings and you're the Lord of lords. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess who you truly are. But before that moment, may we reckon within ourselves, just as that brother said in the video, he said, Satan has fooled us all. He has presented a God to us that none of us seldom refuse. And the God that we serve in this world, that Satan, Satan doesn't need you to bow to him as long as there's another God. And the God that the enemy has tricked us into serving the most brother said was S-E-L-F, the God of self, the God of self. So why do you think Jesus said, if you want to come after me, you must deny what? Yourself. Pick up your crosses and deny yourself and follow me. You can't have self in Jesus too. Deny yourself. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Yeshua, Yeshua. May the grace of God fill this room right now. Every single one of you is a soul that is in grace right now. You have not crossed over. You still have life in your body. You've got a choice to make. Will you serve God or will you serve self? But here's what he said. If you try to keep your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. You will keep it. You will have eternal life. I'm going to give you all a moment to pray. 